since I'm repeating myself. I thought you were saying you're peeing yourself. Are you wearing your indoor Crocs or your outdoor Crocs? Hello, it's Kathy, and this episode of Indoor Crocs is the first University Friends edition. Today's guest is an engineering student known for his work ethic, smiles, and turtlenecks. We met two years ago at Filipino Society. Vince, welcome to Indoor Crocs. Thank you for having me. I'm an avid fan of the Indoor Crocs podcast, so I'm so excited. <laughs> Thank you, I'm honored. <laughs> so you finished work and came straight here. How is that going for you? So I studied mechanical engineering at my uni. After finishing second year, I'm now doing placement at a metal recycling facility. I'm part of the research and development facility, which sounds way more cooler than it actually is, but it's basically just doing projects, speaking to a lot of people. It's a lot of meetings. But in the office, all of them are placement students in my age. So it's kind of fun having people to talk to that you know, and you can just like easily vibe with compared to like older people. Like me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. You should be working with me, Kathy. It's good. The older people are nice and the team. I think for most jobs, it's important to have the people be the best thing in the workplace. In terms of projects, I don't think I can say anything without having an MBA, but... Wow, uh, top secret. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. Maybe I could tell you later. Mainly, I just have to go to many different sites. I get to go to different places, see different sites, and one of my projects are a new market. I'm going to go there on Friday to see one of the suppliers, talk to them, basically tell them what we need to do and what they can do for our project. I always wanted to get a placement. Yeah, because I know how hard it was for you to get one. So I know from when we went on holiday last year that your name is Vince, not Vincent, which is relatable because I'm a Cathy, not a Catherine. Where did you get your name from, do you know? Well, my parents just wanted a, like a unique name. I don't hear many people have the name Vince. I'm pretty sure I've heard, in terms of Filipinos, at least one other person called Vince before. That's been in the UK. So it's nice to hear someone else have that name. My parents, the reason it shows it is just nice, is that, or my middle name, Patrick, but they just decided, they like both so much, they just had it in my one name. And they use my full name and everything, the whole four names, for some reason. You have four names? Yeah, legally. They just really like using all of them. Why is it Kathy? Have you met many Catherines before? Yeah. Catherine is quite a common Asian name. I don't know why parents gravitate towards it. My parents liked it, but they thought it was too long. And then when my mom was pregnant with me, when they went back to China, they flew on the plane Cathay Pacific. <laughs> but my dad misread it as Cathy Pacific. So on my birth certificate, it chose Because they spelled it wrong. No, but that's what I thought. I thought originally that he thought the airline company was called Cathay Pacific, not Cathay Pacific. Oh, okay. And then he just went with that. So I'm named after a plane, essentially. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a nice name. I don't hear many Cathy's. There's no point of really showing your name because you only have two syllables. You only have one. Yeah, but some people like to extend it and call me Vincent. I actually don't like being called Vincent. I don't yeah, know why. Yeah, because it's not your name. Yeah. It's like how I don't like it when people call me Catherine. So I met you at university. I'm interested to know what were you like before university? I guess before uni, I was mainly just kind of a shy child. I was very introverted. Actually, it went in a wave, because apparently I was really talkative when I was a child. My mum would always hear me ramble about everything. But I think all kids are hyper. Yeah, and that's why she was so shocked when I just became so quiet. I don't really know the transition. When you went to school? I guess maybe. Maybe just the excess of Filipino parties I had to go to as well when I was a child. So where I'm from, each different town in the city, and there's a lot of like Filipinos in each place. And when I was younger, you always used to have parties every year, mainly Christmas and New Year's parties. 
I think since so many nurses came to the UK at the same time, it was just a nice way of bonding with everyone. And obviously that's like all the cliche Filipino stuff happens, how like the titas, what you call aunties, because in my culture, you treat everyone as your family. And you're obviously while asking questions, like, oh, is the boy pregnant? Is the girl pregnant? Like stuff like that. It's just like very common. And the games and the food. It was a nice childhood then. But I guess I just wanted to play games at home. So I just became more secluded. And also I was forced to dance as well. There's a dance group called the Little Angels. If you listen to this and you're part of the group, I rate you. Yeah. We just had to dance like One Direction. But I think that I hate that whenever I finish dancing, I just run in like a corner and just like hid. Mm. How this makes me to become introvert, I don't even know. But, but do you think your parents made you go to all those events because they wanted you to interact with other kids because you don't have any siblings? That could be a fair point. I mean, I think as an only child, I don't really have anything to talk to. It could work because I have, I guess, more attention. Do you think your parents had to divide their attention between you and your brother? Yeah, of course. But my brother got the brunt of it because he was the oldest sibling. thing is, I don't really remember it. But when I watch the videos or what my parents tell me, it's like, I would get away with a lot of things because I was the youngest. If we both wanted to be cuddled, like, my mom couldn't cuddle <laughs> both of us. So there's pictures of, like, my mom cuddling me and my brother just, like, standing. <laughs> yeah! That's so sad. It is sad, but it's like, I obviously didn't know any better. And I think that's just a dynamic that happens when there's two kids. Well, I, obviously, I can't really know how that feels like. I think I just get all of the brunt because, obviously... Since I'm like the only child, all the attention has to be on me because if the thing happens to me, then there's no one left. That's kind of like the fear that my parents really had. So they're always like fixated on me, watching me, making sure that I'm okay. But the brunt is like the worst of it. Yeah. But like, isn't it best to have the attention? Oh yeah, no, no, yeah, it's good. But then obviously it becomes into a case of being overprotective kind of thing. I was never allowed to go out back in secondary school, not even like past 8pm. Really? Yeah, it was very, like, strict to make sure that I knew the people who I was going out with. And if they haven't heard the name before, I was like, oh, who's that? They do somehow keep track of everyone who have said, they don't know you now, obviously, they went to Italy. <laughs> but they didn't yeah, know you yeah. before, and it's like, oh, who's this person? Mm -hmm. So they just want to know, like, what's happening, because obviously they're going to make sure that I'm okay. Of course. So as the past time's gone on, you just slowly become less strict. More because I'm growing up, but actually, not even uni, they're so strict. What you need to do, you need to get a job that ends late, so then they subconsciously get used to you going home late because they never let me stay out until past 11 or very rarely until I had a job. Mm -hmm. So then obviously I'd go home late and they just become accustomed to me going home at like 11.30. And I think that's when it started to change for me from begging to just telling them. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, your situation is also maybe slightly different to a conventional university experience because you've always lived with your parents. How does that dynamic work? Because I feel like my mom is less overbearing because I've lived away from her. Or like the relationship with your parents. Like, are you very close to your parents or? To be honest, I just don't know. I think I've slowly started to become more close. I think because when I was a child, they were always like around me. I kind of got very sick of having to be with them all the time. So I kind of wanted them alone time. And then when I got to uni, I started like just staying out of the homeless. Not even just going out. I was just at uni studying the whole day. And eventually I started to like feel bad because I wasn't actually spending time with my parents. So whenever we can, I'll just sit with them and just like, I don't know, eat and talk together. I think I've just noticed that more recently, I guess, in second year. I think that happens, like you become more self-aware as you get older. You realise that they're also their own people too, they have their own feelings, but they're just trying to hide that and take more of the brunt so that you are happier in life. Yeah, I think everyone gets to an age where they realise that their parents are just people and they need to be looked after too. Yeah. 
Did you find it easy to make friends when you were younger? When I was a shy kid, I think eventually I just had to just speak to people. In school, you kind of more put in that position where you have to because you're always going to see the same person. Especially in classes as well, you're just going to speak to them and eventually you kind of form your own groups. But it's more of a case of circumstance that you become friends with them. I'm just comparing this to uni where like, you'll know a lot more about yourself so then you can know if they're really your person or not. In school, I guess, looking back, there can be some people where if I met them a lot later on in life, I probably wouldn't be friends with them because we're all quite different. But because of that history and the amount of time we've been together, I'm still happy to call them my friend. Yeah, I think we've talked a lot on the podcast about maintaining friendships and different types of friendships. What was your secondary school experience like? Did you fit into a clique? Were you a jock? Were you a nerd? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't believe you even put jock in that sentence. <laughs> I was mainly a nerd, I guess. From primary to secondary school, most of the people from primary were still like in secondary. So I thought I'd still be with them, but then obviously they're different people. So I just drifted off into a different group. I don't know, it's just kind of like the middle ground. I guess maybe more than nerdy side. I definitely did not play any sports then. I tried for basketball once and that was dreadful. I'm never going to do that again. It was really just a normal childhood. <laughs> I actually never got bullied, which is surprising because I don't know, the cliche would be how the nerds get bullied, but it wasn't really that bad. The school was getting better, actually. It was really bad before. There was a lot of fights like every day. But now, with the new head teacher, it was slowly getting better. But yeah, I never really got picked on or bullied. I guess mainly because I stayed out of trouble. I didn't really want to fight anyone because I was just long. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that always interests me because I've never seen a fight at school, but I don't know if that's because I went to an all-girls school. You wouldn't fight. It was just so much talking behind your back and gossip. I think the most confrontational thing I ever saw was when a girl in my form might have messaged something to a girl in the year above or something, and then that girl brought, like, her whole girl posse to our form and was like, I need a word with this girl, and it was pretty intimidating. You used to, like, in the corner just, like, watching. Just observing, yeah. (laughs) That's the only thing I really remember. There really was no fights. Girl fights are so entertaining to watch, you know. That's really? It. Because in my school, whenever a girl fight, like the whole school, came, even more than the boy fights, because the hair pulling would be crazy. They were like fighting on some bench, these two girls, they were tripping each other on the bench. So it's very sick, but it's really, really intense. I don't know. Things get a lot more crazier. With guys, it, they can't even fight. Most of them can't punch, so they just start swinging their arms. It's, <laughs> it's, it's way more lame and like more sad when they just can't like hear anything or just start fights. Wow. That's surprising, to be honest. I mean, I think it's because I went to a girls' grammar school. I realised that I was in a bubble because I think I remember once complaining to my maths teacher about how the school was a prison and there was so much academic pressure. And he was like, you don't know what the real world is like. He said that when he was in school, there were just disruptive kids who would mess up the classroom and stuff so you actually couldn't learn. Whereas I was complaining about there being too much academic pressure. Whereas, you know, I actually had a really good... Childhood. <laughs> As in, like, it was, like, a really good environment for studying because everyone wanted to do well, you know? More, you felt more pressured that other people wanted to do well. No, it's more like... I talked to some of my friends from primary school who went to the catchment school and they said that there was a lot of bullying and stuff, whereas, like, I've never been bullied. Mm-hmm. I think it's just things like that. It's just a very different environment. But, of course, I still found something to complain about. It's like I didn't know how good I had it. Oh, uh, yeah. You can't, yeah, taking things for granted. Like, things are a lot easier in school. You don't have to worry about a lot of stuff. And then, well, we know now, compared to how, how we are, there's so much more to, to like, 
be responsible about any kind of miss of those where you just you could just play for me just play Xbox all day or sit in bed watch anime with that kind of things. Did you ever encounter any racism at school? I mean there was an occasional like guys just saying racist jokes. Not really directed at actually well yeah, but it's racist jokes, not really actual bullying. You could say maybe it's more so, I guess. I think that's a lot more common. But most of the time you just like friends are joking and it wasn't really anything too deep. What was your high school dating life like? <laughs> yeah, in year 10. It's mainly just like a popular thing. Obviously back then, like you think that's everything, but obviously it's just not. Because the whole thing just is a school. You don't really know what's happening outside of school. And you don't know any of the value, I guess, above that. It wasn't like obviously as serious, or as serious as you can like think like to be now. But to be fair, I actually didn't learn quite a lot. Because obviously when you're young, you're kind of more impressionable. Well, I think for me, it was a big problem. That I actually attached a lot of my self-identity and self-worth to this one person. Which obviously is not a good thing to do. But like as soon as they broke, I was like, "Oh, what? What do I do now?" <laughs> I was really like shocked that I actually felt that. I also just realized I'm not just a boring person. Not gonna lie. One of the main things that I kind of realized I was kind of uncultured and like had nothing really to talk about with anyone. I had nothing that I like, had similar interests. Cause I never really gave that time to myself to work out what they are. Like I had to know more about the other person than about myself. And how can you really like someone if you don't really like yourself? You don't know more about yourself and who you are. So I guess after that relationship, I kind of just said to myself that I should probably need to know what I like, what things I want to do, those kind of things. And even now, it's just like a journey of just understanding that. And I had no music taste. That was non-existent. <laughs> Only, I, <laughs> so was that your only relationship in school? No, it was not. <laughs> and I guess more towards sixth form. It was a lot more, I guess, more serious, as you could say. Because obviously, even though back then, what, the first one was like year 10. Yeah, like, you're kind of more serious about it. Obviously, you do, like, start to care more about relationship and what relationship should be. But we're still young, so, like... Were you 17? Yeah, 16, 17. I was so young. Yeah, like, it was a, a serious relationship at 16. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I was really serious, man. Like, <laughs> but, yeah, um, obviously a lot longer as well. Yeah, but, you know, obviously things just don't work out sometimes. It's just mainly just because of different people. So it's like, I mean, nothing wrong with that. We're still friends now. I mean, with both of them, I'm still calm with. So, it's just a mainly growing thing. Sometimes you're just, you know, you're not really going to be with that person. And that's fine. As long as we're both doing okay, there's nothing to really to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I don't want to listen to that bit. <laughs> I don't <even> the podcast. <laughs> yeah. mm, that's interesting, hearing about your previous relationships, since I've never known you to be in a relationship. <laughs> Moving on to university. What made you study mechanical engineering at uni? Well, how I remember, my dad used to put on a show. It's called, like, How Stuff Is Made or How It Works. And I always be, like, watching with him, like, oh, that's really cool. And, like, I guess that kind of encouraged me into, like, doing mechanical engineering. Now realising, maybe my dad just did it on purpose. So he just steered me away from being, like, a nurse. I know, this cliche Filipino ones. Also, my mum being a nurse is, obviously, she knows how stressful it is. And I don't think she really wanted me to go in that. It's by engineering still being one of the classic degrees to go into. <laughs> so... I guess as a kid I always wanted to be, I guess, mechanical engineering in that sense, but I never was really into cars, surprisingly. And I always thought, ah, oh, I'm not into cars, I can't do mechanical engineering, but there's actually way more than that. There's a lot more you can do that's not linked to, I mean, with my job, I'm in recycling, and that's a very different sector, but there's still a lot more within that that you can do. It's interesting. Do you think you're one of the only mechanical students who aren't into cars? 
definitely part of the minority because I've only met like one or two people who also aren't really into cars. Many people want those like automotive vehicles, like the, or even just planes. I think planes count in that same category because it's a lot of moving parts. Even though I'm a mechanical engineer, I really hate mechanics. It's so hard and like there's so much going on, but everything else I like, so. Have you thought about what you want to do after uni? Honestly, I don't know. I think I haven't really known for like a while. I knew that I wanted to be in engineering, but not necessarily what kind of engineer I wanted to be. Definitely not cars. I understand it's cliche, I guess the main thing is I want to help people, make sure like my designs are doing for the better of the world, something like that. And I guess I still follow that. The kind of placement that I got is good because it's so much different to what's usually out there. I never even knew that you could do that in recycling and it's very interesting to see like how it is, how it works and I maybe I'll stay with the company, I don't know. I don't know yet. It's only two months, so <laughs> we'll see. So other than your degree, how have you found uni? Uni has been very fun for the past two years. You meet a lot of people and obviously then that's where for me that's where my confidence really started to grow because I had to reach out to a lot of new people, both that and in Philosoc. You know, at that point in time, especially when you start, everyone is just willing to speak to each other, get to know each other. And it's just mainly who's going to start that first conversation, who's going to like say that first question. And eventually, I just had to learn to be me because otherwise, no, it's just nothing's going to happen. After experiencing second year and knowing that I just did it, I knew that I wasted so much time in first year because I could have done a society, like just like an engineering one or just even another cultural one. But I decided to just, I guess, be with my friends more. I guess it's more of a case of like FOMO, just missing out. Because since I kind of wanted to build those relationships, well, I mean, second year now, even though obviously since we're all busy and we have more work to do, I'm not really worried. Like if I don't see them for a while, like even for like a few weeks, that I won't like lose out on that friendship because I know that they're my friends now. But that fear was probably more prominent in first year because I still wanted to build that relationship first. That yeah, no, of course, especially living at home. Do you think it impacted your social life being a commuter? Yeah, because the night was so fun that I wanted to stay over in the night, but obviously I couldn't do that. I don't think I ever would have, like... <laughs> what night? Was any night, like, just obviously, like, just having fun with my friends, like, fun just being with them. And obviously, yeah, it'd be nice to sleep over with them, to not miss out even more, but then my parents would be mad, so I had to go home. So I obviously just wanted to extend that time as much as possible. That became more of a blessing in second year, because when I actually had stuff to do, I needed to get out, otherwise I'd stay with them, like, forever, so I can't really do that. And that's when the begging to just saying thing happened to my parents because they just had to accept that I was out. They always just go on about studying though. Every time, just like, oh, focus on your studies and that. Classic Asian parents. Yeah. But you just bring it out of nowhere. Like, oh yeah, like two weeks ago, yeah, we were in the kitchen like cooking and then, oh no, my dad was on about how like, I was scared of like Spider-Man 2 for some reason, like the old one. And there's only one scene I know. Like, yeah, we're on about Spider-Man. And then the next thing my mom says, like, so this is why you should be focusing on your studies. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I don't. She always does. I was like, uh, okay. I don't know. Spider Man needs to them, but it's just like a subconscious answer that she always has. No. But you know, they've drilled it into me more than enough times, and now it's just something that I say. It's probably why I have to like, I just work a lot more now, and like have to do so much more. No, my mom's like that too. Well, my parents this summer. Well, since I started my podcast, at first they really liked it. They're like, cool, like you're doing something, right? And then after a while, they're like, oh, why are you spending all your time on your podcast? Maybe I should work. Exactly. <laughs> They'd be like, you need to apply for jobs. You need to start studying. I just feel like your parents will always view you as children. They don't want you to grow up. No, because then you kind of they lose sight of your control. I mean, you never know. This could be a world-famous podcast by the next 20, 10, 20 episodes. Still make no money. 
Yeah, and then th- this is how you make your money, get sponsors. <laughs> when I first met you, you were doing part-time work at uni. Yes. That's why everyone kept going to ZZ's. I was so confused, but it turns out it's because you gave them discount. Yeah. <laughs> what was your experience like working as a sous chef? Very stressful. Working in a, like, in a restaurant is not easy. I massive respect to people who do. Especially as, well, even, well, front of house. I'd rather work in back of house, to be honest, because front of house you have to deal with people. And that's like, in my opinion, way more harder because your social barrier, a lot more drained. For me, obviously, yeah, I get pissed off that I have to stay late and close up, but at least I can just show that I'm pissed off. If I imagine there's people like, and they just see a pissed off face, obviously, it's not good for them. So you have to like fake that smile. I actually didn't expect there to be so much work. And I wasn't even qualified. Like, I was just trying to find a job struggling because, you know, people want experience, but you can't get experience if you can't get a job. I got really lucky, actually, because they needed, they just needed someone. I just filled in for someone on the holiday. They trained me to cook for them, at least. And then, yeah, the rest is history. Mm. I mean, I got burnt quite a bit. And I, th- I think that's when my parents were like, yeah, you need to stop working out because you're hurting yourself. And I think, to be honest, it was quite bad. Every, like, time I'd go in the kitchen, I'd burn myself and, like, cut myself. From what? From from cooking. <laughs> when the hot holders, I put my hand in the hot holder too much. While they were happy with me having a job, by the end of it, they were really happy I left. And to be honest, so was I. Because I did not enjoy it anymore working there because I just wanted to go out. It was on a Friday as well, so I had like no chance to go out at then. And it was just stressful for no reason. And the people that I liked were leaving, so I was like, oh, I'll leave now. In terms of cooking, I'm still not the best cook. <laughs> like, I know how to use the kitchen. Like, I guess I know how to tools and that, but recipes, nah. Recipes are really something you learn at home because obviously it's passed down. You just keep practicing it. You can't really replicate that from like a restaurant because usually well we make the pasta but stuff like the sauce is already pre-made you don't like make that yourself you're on that time stress you can't really learn it you just do it because it's muscle memory you know how to do it and managing a task and stuff but cooking wise i need to still learn my fellow dishes from my parents because they have a lot that i still need to learn from them there's classic culture ones is there like a signature dish that you can make actually well now i can make like doron Tonon is a... Is it like the spring roll with the plantain in it? Yeah. Plantain was coffee. Come on, that's like... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so yeah, it's plantain wrapped in spring roll and coated in sugar and then you deep fry it. It's my parents' signature dish and I'm happy I can make it now. I only learned that two weeks ago as well. I mean, other dishes would be like adobo. There's there's a lot more sinigang. I haven't had sinigang forever, actually. Yeah. I'm just just reminiscing about my dishes. You're making me hungry. So, speaking of Filipino culture, this past year you were president of Filipino society. How was that? That was also very stressful. <laughs> but it was honestly one of the most fun experiences of my life. Well, I mean, the reason I first joined PhilSoc is because I actually knew the committee. Well, at least four out of the five, I knew like almost all of them, but way before I joined uni, somehow. It's just Filipino connections. <laughs> you just know someone, you know their friend of someone. Yeah, and joining that, obviously, I kind of had that sense of familiarity since when I went to uni like no one well yeah there's some people from my school but no one really in my course which was really hard for me to make friends that always had that rational fear behind me it was like why well, could I make any friends I don't have anything to fall back on so it feels like I had that familiarity while also getting closer with old friends I got a lot closer to new friends I met you as well there I can't remember how I was assuming it's through like Hoa or something I don't even think was well, it really was it... I, mean, I met you through Philsock but... yeah I can't remember how we got so close yeah, but then just last year we went on holiday. Yeah, we went on holiday, but like, how did we went from that to holiday? Yeah, you know? I didn't. I'm happy they went on holiday because you managed it all for us, to be honest. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs>
it was really fun. And obviously now, like, we're very close. Doing this podcast right now. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, it's just that this. What was one of the biggest challenges you faced as president? Kind of a few things. I guess mainly, I don't think anyone really expects how much work actually goes into managing a society. Or at least an active one. To do so many events, and I do them, I guess, consistently, takes a lot of planning and organisation. I mean, we had, like, meetings every week. And people could be like, oh, but just a society, like, that's, like, so much. But if we didn't have those meetings, like, our events wouldn't really be as good as they were. It's not as organised, because there's actually so much to think about. And obviously I got better at organising and having to manage people, because that's, like, a team thing. Everyone's just there at different things. So you got to make sure that you use them for, like, their strengths and not for their weaknesses. What I struggled with the most was, and what I worried about was people expecting me to always have the answers. And sometimes I just didn't, like, I just didn't know what to do. Which is why those meetings were so helpful, because when I didn't know what to do, I'd just be, like, I'd be honest, I'm like, yeah, guys, I really don't know what to do. To help me out, please. And then I'd actually help out. Having a team was actually really helpful. And if I didn't have the committee to help me out, I definitely would not be able to do anything like that. Love your committee. It was good. I was so stressed out. Organising events, at least seeing other people happy, was quite nice to see. Mm. Because I guess it also, like, meant a lot to me, because I got close with old friends, made a lot of new ones. I kind of wanted to give back that same experience to people, despite being kind of like coerced into it. Because the only reason I became president is because no one else was going to do it. And I didn't really want it to die out. Mm. I remember seeing like a restaurant, and I told my friends, who were like, oh, you're going to be like our VP, you're going to be a secretary. I didn't actually think it was going to happen. (laughs) Look at this now, you actually became one of those roles. (laughs) But like, I'm very grateful to have that with them. Do you have a memorable moment? Probably be games night, the first one. That's the first time I ever hosted like anything I had to speak out. Oh my god, speaking out in front of people is so weird. Just having to like, tell people what to do. It wasn't really me. At least I just didn't think I could do it. I was still growing confidence back then. Comparing me now to me in year 10, I never expected to like get to this level. I was, I was ill on that day. I thought it was dying. But obviously I still had to like host and like shout at uh, the games and stuff like that. But it actually worked well. Probably one of our best events really gave me confidence. I think everyone else as well. To the fact that we can actually do this, we can actually make events, have people enjoy them and want to come back for more. None of us had ever really done something like that before. So we were all kind of nervous. Oh, like how's the best way to do it, the most optimal way? But then it worked. I was really happy to see everyone just have fun. It's nice to reminisce about that. So let's move on to your current life with your placement. What would you say is your typical routine? I wake up at 5.20 in the morning. You're lying. No, well, to be honest, I try and wake up that early and I go back to sleep. But, because I like to eat before I go to work. How can you eat that early in the morning? I want to have the energy. There's some people in my work that actually don't, they just don't eat anything. And I'm just thinking, how do you survive in a day for not eating anything? I think it's a habit. As in, like, I'm a breakfast eater. People yeah. who skip breakfast, it's because they've done it since they were kids. They've yeah, never I, had breakfast. I always had, like, rice. I finally have my energy, it's just I got all that carbs. So <laughs> I need the energy for my brain to work. Yeah, 30 minute drive. I get to work around like 7.40 a.m. And then I'll just do whatever. There's projects. For the first month, there wasn't really a lot to go on, to be honest. But now, after the first month, I have three projects. And now, at least two of them, they're really starting to pick up now. So I've got a lot more things to do, sketches, designs, stuff like that. I actually think Phil Suck could help with that, to be honest. All the constant meetings, emails, or help me, like, organise my own time. And especially meetings, because, I don't know, you're not really nervous to, like, I don't know, reach out to people. You have to do that a lot in placement, you need to speak to a lot of different suppliers. 
and also to present yourself professionally. That actually helped more than uni because what you learn other than CAD, the modules that I've learned haven't really been used yet. It depends on the project to be honest, but it's a lot more niche. Like it's more about the people skills and I think you learn a lot better when you're not in uni. Which kinda of sounds like uni is a waste of time. In terms of like how the professional world works, being a part of that placement, you kinda of shadow people. You understand how things work and how things can go from, I guess, a project in the discover phase, just learning about it, to like actually delivering it. It's very interesting to really see that process. And currently I have an actual project now, which is slowly going into that phase, but uh, it's going to be very stressful. But I mean, it sounds like you're enjoying it. Yeah, especially the people. Like, I actually enjoy the people I work with. If those people, some of them are on my projects and they do work hard. It's not like, yeah, we have fun, but they are still hardworking. So I don't have to like do all the work myself. That's just, no one ever wants to do that. You know, like in the school projects, it's just, you have to carry the thing because no one else wants to do it. We literally, in lunch, we just, we just watched MasterChef for like, for like one hour. We just thought, we just watched it. We got through like season six. It's very like wholesome. In terms of workload, how would you say that it compares to being at uni? I think uni can sometimes over-prepare you, to be honest. And based on my experiences in second year, I had to like make a to-do list, write everything down, make sure that I was on track because I'd always, since there's so much going on, I had to make sure I wouldn't forget anything. I don't have to do that anymore at work. Despite in uni having really enjoyable, I never really had time for me. I felt like I was kind of just running around doing whatever needs, needed to be done. And my only like break time was like socialising or feel suck events. But I'd just go home, crash, wouldn't do anything for myself. I didn't really take care of myself to be honest. And that wasn't a really good thing. So I told myself that when I start work, I gotta make sure like I actually give myself time. So when I finish work, I don't want to think about that anymore. Compared to uni, where every day you just it's always in your brain. You have to like make notes the next video or do the next like module thing to keep up. Or at least since I set myself such high expectations to always be on top of work, at least now I don't have to worry about that when I'm at home because I want to separate that work life. That's why I always went to uni to do work and never did it at home because I know I wouldn't do it at home. I gotta sacrifice my time just to be on my own. And now like I'm finally doing things that I've never had time. Like I'm finally like exercising, playing the guitar again. Finally have time to do all the things that I wanted to do before. Actually in the job, now definitely, yeah, like I'm doing stuff like all the time. There's so much going on. But at least it's just in a set time, just eight hours. And even less than that because MasterChef, obviously, you gotta watch all of that. <laughs> Uni is honestly very more hectic. You can't really escape, because uni is a lifestyle. For people who have to move out, they have to worry more about themselves. Obviously, they have to cook the food, like literally take care of themselves. And I really realized how much time that took. When my parents obviously were left on holidays, leaving me at the house, I just really barely had time just to take care of myself. I don't know how you guys do it. You get actually, used to it. Cooking food takes so long. <laughs> like, and then Whoa. you have to wash up after. Yeah. I mean, I wash up now, but like, just to make that food, it's like, oh my gosh, crazy. Yeah, and sometimes it doesn't even taste good, but you have to eat it anyway. Yeah, like, do you think food tastes better because you made it yourself? Only if it tastes good, though. Like, when I make food, especially if I'm on a rush, and I'm just like, I need to eat vegetables, I need meat, and then I will just cook something, and it just tastes so average. Like, I wouldn't I wouldn't offer it to anyone. Like, I wouldn't want my friends to eat it. Like, obviously, when my friends come over, I put more effort into my food. But yes, I always wish I was a better cook and I'm trying to become a best cook because when you're just not having a good day and the food you eat isn't even that great, it's just sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why our parents <laughs> to pick the food for me. No, that's the thing. I think I never really picked it up at home because I was spoiled. So I had my mom, obviously, and then 
my mum wasn't around, my brother would cook. I was always the designated washing up person. I mean, at least you did the chores. <laughs> Some kids don't even do that. Mm. So, in general, you would say that the work-life balance is better? So much better. Application season. Do you have any tips for someone trying to secure a work placement? Apply to as many jobs as you can. Especially if you've never had experience before, they're ruthless. I literally applied to 30 places, got five interviews, one of them was in person. Luckily, the in-person one was the one that I got. If you have experience, put that on your CV first. That's what they want to see. They don't care about your grades. Obviously, you get 2-1. That is a requirement. But other than that, they don't really care. Do society events. Being president did help. Not just for me, but also for my career, because it is something to speak about. And they do like having the people skills. You'd be surprised to know, at least for the good companies, that they actually care more about how people are. If you don't know anything, they can just teach you on the job, but just be respectful. And also, do not lie in your CV. That really got tested because in my CV, I put like, for my course, I had to do this thing, I had to like make an engine. But it was just one like statement word on my CV. And then they just whipped out papers, like, I'll draw out your whole engine that you made. <laughs> a whole engine. I was like, what? <laughs> I haven't did it in months. But did you do it? <laughs> I right? did it. Only reason is because I designed like most of the engine myself. <laughs> Imagine if I lied or if I never did the work, I would have not got the job. They will test you and everything, because then obviously, if you, don't, if you lie, you know, don't show integrity, and that's what they care about the most. Wow. <laughs> they really pressure me with that. You kind of prolong time to think about what you're trying to say. Either you, you like, fidget or you cough. I was doing that so much. Did but, you pass the interview? Yeah, that's the one I got for the recycling one. Wow. So, I was just really grateful that I actually did the work. <laughs> like, because, it, yeah. Do your work, guys. Do you have any upcoming plans? I'll be going to Philippines soon. I haven't been in like five years. Wow. Yeah, it's been a very long time. Are you going to visit family? Yeah. I think because the place that where my parents are from, at least in Manila, like it's very much in the slums. And I think my parents really want to go back because it's just, first of all, from the airport is a very hard place to get to, like an hour on the Philippine roads as well. It's going to be traffic and in jeeps, and there's big buses, <laughs> everyone's crap together. It's a lot. It'll be nice. I guess when I was a kid, I never really appreciated my culture in that sense, like actually being there. Because I was so used to having the luxury and the comfort of aircon, being in my own home, having devices. But obviously my parents encouraged me to go out and I never really saw like my tricycles and Christmas. They celebrate so early. Right now in September, they're celebrating it already. Really? The Christmas decorations are up on the streets. Aww. Like I just love Christmas, to be honest. I'll also be going to Tokyo wow. for a few days. That's going to be fun. Cool. It's really cool. I went years ago now. <laughs> I just remember I ate loads of sushi and udon. <laughs> it's really metropolitan. Have you been before? Kind of like how you see it in the film. You're on a train and it will literally just go past your building. Okay, I guess it's like that here as well in London, but I don't know. The vibe is yeah, just like different. The vibe. Yeah. yeah, I really want to go. And I do want to see my family again when I go to Philippines. Finally, we're going to go to like the actual tourist spot, Boracay, which is like the actual beach, the sands. I don't know if we're going to go on a boat somewhere, but and I guess I don't know, finally relaxing that. Just nice to see my cousins again. I don't really have family here. Not really any family in Europe, so I don't really know much about my my cousins and stuff. Only them from seeing them five years ago. How do you adapt to the climate? I mean, I just got used to it. I, well, I remember the first time I went to Philippines. Though, the airport doors opened, and then like the humid air came. I thought I was about to die. <laughs> like, I was like, it was so hard. Like, I was like, I couldn't breathe. To my parents, I, I was so stressed. I've never experienced something like that before. I was like, oh my gosh. I think I went when I was four, obviously I'm not going to remember the humid air hitting me. So 
Yeah, I mean, eventually I got used to it. What I'm more worried about, honestly, is the mosquito bites. Because... Tell me about it. When, when I... Well, the first time I went to Italy, like, I got bit so many times on my feet. I couldn't sleep. It was so itchy. It was so annoying. That's why when I went with you, like, I was like, get that mosquito repellent, please. We didn't even get that many mosquito bites because we went to, like, the city places. Oh. So we got lucky. <laughs> so... But yeah, I, I'm going to be prepared for that. So do you have any upcoming plans, Kathy? Got anything else going on? Uh, I'm going to start uni. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but it's, yeah. It's weird because I, I'm i not going to go to uni this year. Yeah. How's that for you? How's that for me? Yeah. I've been fine all year, you know. Mentally preparing myself for the stress of grad jobs and just the degree, you know. I need at least a 2-1. Did I even ask you if you missed uni? Do you miss uni? I guess kind of. I guess maybe... Because, well, no one is here right now. Like, most of my friends are out now. But they'll be coming back. And obviously, I'm going to go to the full suck events when I can. You know, it'll be nice to see everyone. But workload, I'm, I want to take a break. Because I was so stressed, I'd like to find a different way of just how I manage my work. And hopefully next year, when I come back in, I'll look at work differently. I just don't think I took care of myself. I'm pretty sure I had, like, headaches <laughs> every day. It was quite bad. Oh. Did you have a white hair at one point? I was okay. I've always had white hairs, by the way. <laughs> I'm not old. Even when I was a kid, I think it's just a genetic thing. Like, I just always had white hairs. And obviously, people would be like, oh, like, you're stressed out. I, I guess I was, but white hairs weren't too distressed. It was just me having weird genes. So, <laughs> I'm glad that I finally have time just on my own, just for me. And I want to really keep that for as long as I can before going to uni. Well, Vince, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you for having me, Kathy. I've been very honoured to join you. <laughs>